So a three-legged dog walks into a bar. What did he say? I don't know. What did he say? I'm looking for the man who shot my paw. (laughs) (laughs) That might be your best one yet, actually. Thanks, David. That means a lot. (laughs) That's not saying much. (laughs) Welcome to Mistakes Dads Make. I'm Nathan Hart. And I'm David Borden. And this is a podcast with honest conversations about fatherhood, including mistakes that dads make and how to redeem them. We're glad you've joined us. So the topic for today's episode is hashtag dad goals. Oh, exciting stuff. Can you explain to the listeners what we mean by that? Yeah, well, as we've had these conversations the past few weeks, we've realized that not only is this a conversation about maybe some of our failures as fathers, but also that we as fathers have goals for our children, Mm -hmm. whether we admit it or not. Right, whether we define it or not. So we figured we would just name some of those goals today that maybe we haven't even named before. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of how this conversation started. Yeah, and I would say too, like, you know, the topic is, the, the title is Mistakes Dads Make. And so the idea is if we have like maybe not the best goal, then we're going to make mistakes along the way because a goal, a future goal actually dictates how we act today. You know, if I was a, an Olympic runner and I was going to be running in the Tokyo Olympics here in the next few weeks, the goal would be, you know, to win the gold medal mm-hmm. in Tokyo. Yeah. But that future goal dictates how I spend my day to day. I'm going to yes. be training. I'm going to be running. I'm going to be doing a whole thing with my diet and all that stuff. So with our kids, if we have a goal in mind and if it's not defined, mm-hmm. it's probably being defined by the culture around us. Yeah. So like when you picture your kid when they're 25 years old, what are you picturing? You know, effectively, that's your goal. Mm-hmm. And that goal is going to dictate how you treat the kid today, how you prioritize their time, what you get them involved in because you're aiming towards that future goal. Yeah, that's great. Do you think about that already? We talked about this a little bit a couple episodes ago. When you picture Samuel when he's older, mm-hmm. what do you see? Like, what do you, what would you say your goal is for him? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I've been thinking about that the past few days. It's somewhat hard to see beyond the immediate, right? When you have an infant, right? Because he is so all-encompassing, right? Um, yeah, your goal, your goal is to get his diaper changed. Yeah, my goal is to keep him alive, right? <laughs> yes. to, to keep him alive the next few Good years point. that he's Good so point. dependent on me. Right. Um, and so it's, I think it's, you have to be really intentional as a parent, mm-hmm. especially when your children are young, mm-hmm. to think about the future. Right. Because you're just trying to survive each yeah. day. Yeah. And there is some truth in what I think Jesus says about how each day has enough trouble of its own. Mm, So don't really spend all your time worrying about the future. But I also think, you know, we have to make some plans Mm -hmm, and prepare mm -hmm. for the future, which Jesus, he does have a few parables that talk about that Mm -hmm. and talk about the cost of of building. And so um, when I think about Samuel's future, I think about what do I want him to look like and and act like as a young man? Mm -hmm. And as I've thought about that, one Bible verse has really stood out to me a mm-hmm. lot the past few weeks. I've been reading through 1 Corinthians a lot. And um, in 1 Corinthians 3.18, Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth, and he says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him first become a fool so that he can be made wise. And so in other words, Paul, yeah, he's, what does that mean? he's talking to um, individuals that 
uh, maybe are intelligent or view themselves as wise mm. or intelligent or educated. Mm-hmm. And he's saying you first need to kind of admit that you don't know anything hmm. so that then you can learn. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you approach life or things in life and you say, okay, I've, have, I've got it all together. I know right. everything. I don't need anything. Then you'll never learn and you'll never grow. Hmm. And so as I'm thinking about Samuel, Mm. uh, there's a prayer that's come up in my mind for Mm. him and any future children that Mm -hmm. I have. And it's a prayer that my mom actually prayed for some of us kids. And the prayer is simply, Lord, never let Samuel be too intelligent, Mm. too successful, too wealthy, Mm. too educated, too attractive, too physically strong to recognize his need for you. Wow. And so that's my prayer for Samuel. Wow. I want to I want to explore that a little bit because I I don't know if you realize this, you probably do. That that is a very countercultural goal. It's a countercultural prayer that you have for your son. You're basically saying don't let him achieve too much worldly mm-hmm. success and all that stuff. Why exactly? Because that might make him depend on himself, might make him mm-hmm. depend on those things that made him so successful. Yes. So what you're hoping for is dependence mm-hmm. on God, not now. I just want to ch- maybe there's somebody listening to this like really. So maybe they have a maybe they have a 28 year old who's still living in their basement, mm-hmm. and they're like, that's the opposite of what I need. I need my kid to be independent. <laughs> yeah, I need my kid to be a little <laughs> more successful. They're they get this dependent. Are you talking about dependence on earthly parents? Are you talking about dependence on something else? I'm talking about a spiritual dependency. Mm-hmm on someone outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And in our culture today, we have been taught, I think we've been sold actually a false bill of goods. Mm-hmm. And that that lie, that false bill of goods is that we are called to depend on ourselves. Mm. We need to be dependent on ourselves. right? And because of that, I think we have more problems with depression and fear and anxiety than ever before. Because if I am the ultimate one I'm depending on, if mm. I'm depending on myself for security, for self-worth, You're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. oh my word, yeah. yeah, it's scary. And so that's where this freedom comes. There's freedom in dependency hmm. on God and not hmm. on ourselves. Hmm. There really is freedom. So these phrases in our culture like, you got to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps mm. or... God helps those who help themselves. Yes. What you're saying is you're not going to teach those phrases to Samuel? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and and why not? I mean, just what what in, in, that, in its place would you say to him? Yeah, so uh, for example, God helps those who help themselves. Famous phrase that gets attributed to scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a phrase from Benjamin Franklin. Yeah. Uh, I would say the, the biblical uh, framework or the biblical mm-hmm. idea that maybe had spurned Franklin to say that is that man plans his ways, but God orders his steps. Mm-hmm. So I think to Samuel, I, instead of saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I would say something like, Samuel, you know, when you work and when you are uh, getting going through school and, and doing these things, you do them to the glory of God, mm-hmm. right? You want to glorify mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. and you want to work as hard as possible. But I just want you to know as you order your way, right, as you plan your path, it's ultimately God mm-hmm. that's going to bring you wherever he's going to bring you. Mm-hmm. God's going to mm-hmm. open the door to that job, to yeah. that school, to that spouse, mm. right? You can plan all you want, Samuel, but in the end, God's ultimately the one that's going to order those steps. Right. 
And um, isn't it true that at the heart of the gospel is this message that God has done for us something we cannot do for ourselves? Yes, exactly. That's quite different than God helps those who help themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's the heart of the gospel. And at the same time, I'm I'm not hearing you say you're not going to teach Samuel the value of hard work. Like Mm -hmm. obviously he's, you know, he's going to know, like my son who's 13, he already earns a paycheck. He mm-hmm. pulls weeds at the neighbor's house. He works <laughs> with Joe, our buildings and grounds guy here at the church, going around painting railings and sweeping floors. And you know, he's only 13. So I'm giving him the Midwest work ethic mm-hmm. treatment. You know, <laughs> So you're not saying that you want Samuel to be a dependent person on God. Therefore, he's just going to sit on my couch and depend mm-hmm. on people to help him. Yeah. You're saying, no, he's going to work hard. He's going to work hard for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. But in a spiritual sense, he's going to be utterly dependent Faith yeah. like a child, like it says in the Bible, mm-hmm. and, or like a lamb, right? Or like a bird yeah. of the air. These are all dependent images that God has for us, spiritually dependent. Wow, so that's a good goal for Samuel. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm, you know, when Samuel has, uh, for example, uh, weekend opportunities to play sports or do other things, that are going to teach him independence and skill and strength and all that stuff. And you're going to have to make a decision. You and Rachel are going to have to make a decision. Is he going to pursue all those on the weekends Mm -hmm. or is he going to be discipled in church? Yeah. You know, and that goal of future spiritual dependence Mm -hmm. might help you make those decisions of how he's going to spend his weekends. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Well, we talked a little bit about Samuel. Yeah. You're a little further in the journey with your children in talking about goals. So I'd love to hear, you know, uh, maybe some of your goals for your children from the onset, mm-hmm, Yeah, you know, because you're a decade in, more than a decade in. Yeah. Now. Well, I remember the pastor who baptized both our children, mm-hmm. this guy named Pastor Charlie Drew, Emmanuel Presbyterian Church in New York City. And uh, when he baptized our children, he taught us how to pray for them. Mm, yeah. And he said, pray that your children will grow up to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Mm. Now that's a phrase that comes from the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus gave the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. He said, if you pray that over your kids every day, and if they grow up to be people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, Mm -hmm. they'll be just fine in this world. If they're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Now what's righteousness? You know, righteousness is right living, but more importantly, it's right standing with God. Mm, Yeah. And if they hunger and thirst for those things, instead of hungering and thirsting for all the things that this world might offer them, Mm -hmm. hunger for fame or wealth, kind of like that list you were talking about earlier, physical success, if they're only hungering and thirsting and craving Mm -hmm. all of those things, they're probably going to, first of all, they're never going to be satisfied. You talk to people who have achieved some of those things, they usually want more. Mm-hmm. But as it says, as Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Mm-hmm. If righteousness is what you're longing for, you will be satisfied. Why? Because you, you'll find that righteousness in Christ alone. Yeah, that's great. And I combine that as I pray for them. I combine it with Psalm 23, verse mm-hmm. 3, which is also a well-known scripture, where it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness mm. for his name's sake. Yeah, for his name's sake. So I combine those two and I pray over my children every day, 
Lord, may they hunger and thirst for righteousness for your name's sake. Mm, yeah. In other words, I just don't want them to have like a, an inwardly focused craving of righteousness. They can almost like a monastery living where they mm-hmm. can be righteous in their own little world. No, it's for the sake of the name, for the sake of the name of Jesus. And I picture them. Now, I want to talk here in a minute if this is putting too much pressure on them. Mm-hmm. But when I pray that for your name's sake, yeah. I'm picturing that they would live lives not for the sake of their own names, but for mm. the sake of the name of Jesus Christ, that they That's might good, actually yeah. live as ambassadors of his in this world, whatever that looks like. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. they have to be missionary. It doesn't mean they have to be pastors. It doesn't mean they have to be worship leaders. But if they live in such a way that they hunger and thirst for righteousness instead of all the other things the world could offer... And they're doing that with the goal of advancing the name of Jesus. That's good, yeah. That's a, that's a goal I have for them. Now, I just want to kind of maybe explore that a little bit, because even as I'm hearing myself say that, <laughs> yeah, um, I'm hearing a caution mm-hmm. from my wife and from other people that I've talked with. My wife is very good at grounding these things. She's good at grounding me, and she's good at kind of giving caution. Right now, wait a minute. That could easily turn into... Mm an expectation. Yes. And what are expectations? They're just resentments waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. Because what if my children are 25 years old and they're not living Mm -hmm. like this? They're not hungry and thirsting for righteousness. They don't want anything to do with the name of Jesus. What am I going to do at that point? Maybe I'm going to resent them. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Um, Explore that concept with me of am I setting up to, or are we setting up too firm of expectations for them? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think the key in the verses you just quoted, uh, in Psalm 23, what does it say? It doesn't say, uh, we lead ourselves mm. on paths of righteousness. It says, he, he leads, leads us. Me. Yeah. So Jesus is the one doing the leading, right. not your children. Right. And so in, in some ways, I think the scripture itself manages the expectations. Mm. Because if your children, when they walk in righteousness it's not really them doing it, right? right? It's Jesus It's Jesus taking the wheel per se, right? It's there him, right? Yes. <laughs> it's him in charge. Yeah. And so the lesson in life is really for them to learn how to surrender and allow him to be in charge. That's great. You know, which brings me back to that, you know, 1 Corinthians 3.18 passage. It's this surrendering, right? This recognition of yeah. our own need. Um, that's really good. And so if that's the future goal, again, not expectation, mm-hmm. but goal, if the future goal is that they would have lives surrendered to the shepherd who leads them in those righteous paths, then every day between now and that future goal, we're trying to demonstrate for them our own lives of dependence and surrender. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? I can, you know, you said I'm just a few years ahead of you here. Um, I could easily demonstrate for the kids, you know, that we have to be strong and good looking and whatever. And this comes to some of the mistakes I've made as a dad. Mm-hmm. I might have this as a lofty spiritual goal, but in the day-to-day practicality, am I actually living this out? Yeah. Am I training to win the gold in Tokyo? Mm-hmm. Or am I training, you know, that they would have lives of righteousness, <laughs> hunger and thirst for righteousness? Mm-hmm. And I realized I hinted at this a couple of episodes ago but when they were little, when they were entering the school system, mm-hmm. I realized on a practical level I was making a pretty significant mistake because I was overly interested mm. in their appearance. Yeah. If we went to a function or if they were going to school or whatever, I was too interested in how good they looked in their school uniform. I insisted on brushing their hair before we left the house. Mm-hmm. I would get upset if you know they were acting 
frankly age like appropriate <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> when i was expecting to act like adults and yep. and i really do think that a lot of that's been worked out of my system mm-hmm. now i've been mm-hmm. really corrected on that but when they were young i was putting some of that pressure on them why right why probably because i functionally did have the future goal like you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier that they would be good looking and strong and you know presentable of course to yeah. the world and but if you really go a layer deeper even it wasn't so much about them it was about me mm-hmm. i wanted to present well yeah. to the world and i wanted my family to reflect well on me now that's like deep psychology right there mm-hmm. that's deep selfishness <laughs> you know but i'm just being honest yeah major mistake this dad mm-hmm. made was being totally self-absorbed about how we presented to the world yeah and we can talk more about that i think i have some good psychoanalysis of why i was doing that mm-hmm. but it, it comes back to this goals thing what's your goal for your family what's your goal for your kids because it will dictate how you treat them today yeah and i think even just admitting or trying mm-hmm. to figure out asking yourself that question yeah uh what is my goal not only for my own life, but for my children's lives. Mm -hmm. And trying to figure out, even if you're adding up those decisions you make every day with your children, and and you kind of take those and look at the future from the decisions you're making today Mm -hmm. and look at that future goal. Mm -hmm. And I think even just being able to take a step back as a parent and try to look at those steps you're taking to really ask yourself that question, what is the goal? Mm -hmm. Because we all have a goal, whether we admit it or not. And I think that first step is really admitting there is a goal right. and then trying to figure out, okay, what is the goal that I'm expressing through my parenting? What would you guess, David, is the cultural default goal? Like if, if people aren't doing what you and I are doing, like picking Bible verses as goals, mm-hmm. most people probably aren't, <laughs> yeah. I'm just guessing. Yeah. What would you say is in their mind, whether they've defined it or not, what are they hoping for for the future? I'd say it's two things that are really hard to define. Mm-hmm. It's I want my child to be successful mm-hmm. and I want my child to be happy. Right, totally. Two very ethereal concepts. Successful and happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and going back to the selfish thing, mm-hmm. what I think probably a lot of people are imagining when they picture successful and happy, and, uh, happy is successful like they are if they view themselves as successful. Maybe just a little bit more. They want their kids to be a little bit more well-off than they are. Mm-hmm. And happy meaning like... Um, the image that comes into my mind when I think of kind of the world's goal of happiness is like the Instagram happiness, Mm -hmm. right? Where you look really good. You're smiling on your Christmas card or your Instagram. If your kid can be successful, usually meaning financially successful, yep. you know, house in the suburbs, there's probably, if you think about it, there's probably a lot of definition to successful and happy, Mm -hmm. whether you're, you know, intentionally defining it or not, it's probably there. Yeah, and then what happens when when you got, for example, a whole generation of millennials who they don't really want that, right? Mm-hmm. They'd rather live in the parents' basement, <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe happiness looks different than you thought it would. Yeah. And now you have a, a generation older than them going; they're in crisis because, mm-hmm. like, my kids don't want the same goals I want for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard to achieve. I, I, I talked to a guy a few years ago. I was thinking about this when my kids were really little, and I had already decided in my mind okay, successful and happy is usually the goal. I, I, I want something more. Mm, yeah. I want something more. And I mentioned that one time I was having lunch with a guy and he had kids a, a little, around the same age, a little bit older than my kids. 
And I didn't tell him anything like about this prayer that I learned from the pastor who baptized Dark. I didn't give away anything that I was thinking. All I said was, I want to rethink successful and happy as the goals. Mm. And he said, yeah. He said, yeah. I would say, and he thought he was being really deep here. He said, I would say, I want my kids not to be successful and happy, but to be happy and successful. (laughs) (laughs) He thought he he was quite clever and deep. And I just remember thinking, now I'm trying not to judge this guy in my heart. That's where he was at the time. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking like, you're just kind of rearranging the deck chairs there, man. (laughs) I I know what he meant. Like he meant, you know, I don't care if they have a really successful career as long as they're happy. You know, that's a nice thing. That's a nice... I like where he was going with it, but mm-hmm. I just didn't think it was enough yeah. of a shakeup of that inherited goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think about I love the illustration of rearranging the deck chairs because mm-hmm. I always think about the what's the next step? Rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic right, exactly. is often what we say. The sinking ship, guys. Yeah, so like if someone's life is sinking, mm-hmm. which we have to admit that a lot of people in our generation, Nathan, millennials and, yeah. and younger people, uh, the ship is sinking. Hmm. There's more mean? meaninglessness. There's hmm. more depression. Right. There's more anxiety than right. ever before in history. The ship yeah. is sinking. And wow. I look at some of these, um, uh, God help them, helps them that help themselves. Mm-hmm. I look at some of these self-help things right. or even like uh, being happy then successful. Right. And I think to myself, meaningless, meaningless. Yeah just like the author of Ecclesiastes. Right. Yeah. You know, that message is ringing true. What does he say? He says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear with hearing, hmm. right? These things that we all seek after, in the end, they're all rote. So if we're on a sinking ship, we're going to need new goals, mm-hmm. right? Like we're not raising our kids to be successful and happy on a sinking ship. We need mm-hmm. to, and, and that's why, you know, I would say for his name's sake, that part yeah. of the, the prayer that I pray for my kids, mm-hmm. that there is a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. And his name is Jesus. Amen. And salvation is found in no other name, mm-hmm. right? So, if, uh, at the very least, I want my kids to know that. Yes. And I also want them to be able to share that mm-hmm. with other people jumping off the sinking ship of our culture. Mm-hmm. Right. There's going to have to be a lifeboat that um, people are telling others about. Yeah. And that's kind of what I I've heard you say before that that you do hope Samuel will be able to share the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. with others when he's an adult, that means you got to teach him early and often mm-hmm. what the good news of the gospel is. Yeah. And I think more importantly, you and I both have to demonstrate mm-hmm. to go back to that dependence and surrender word. We have to demonstrate our own surrender, right? When something bad goes in our life, when something wrong happens in our lives, mm-hmm. our kids are watching. Yeah. How's dad going to handle this? Mm-hmm. And if we're living life surrendered, to that lifeboat, our kids will see that and they'll say, you know what, next time I am in crisis, I'm going to jump on that same lifeboat. I'm not going to try to pull myself up by my own bootstraps because I didn't see my dad try that. Mm -hmm. He needed help and I need help too. What do they say? Evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find some Mm -hmm. bread. That's maybe what we can apply to parenting. Yeah, that's a good word. And I think, you know, that brings us back to our last couple episodes where we interviewed our own fathers, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the one benefit you and I have had Yeah, is we witnessed two men that modeled that. Amen. They modeled what it looks like to have dependence on their heavenly father. Yes. A hundred percent. And I'm so grateful for that from them because we learned that from them. We really did. 
You know, in the end, you and I as children, we were watching our fathers and we had one question in our mind, does Jesus make a difference? Hmm. And I think our children are doing the same Hmm. with us. Does he make a difference? Wow. Yeah. That is so good, David. What a great observation. And in, in def, as soon, the reason I, I, I sighed so uh, uh, responsibly, yes, was, you know, I, I may have said this on a previous episode, mm-hmm. forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I remember sitting next to my dad in the pews. Did I share this story? Sitting next to my dad in the pews. He wasn't the preaching pastor of our church. He was like the director of discipleship. So I got to sit next to him mm-hmm. during worship. And um, so many times, I can't remember how many when the gospel was being preached, when the sermon was being preached, when the pastor got to that point in the sermon where he just described what happened on the cross, he described the, the basic truth of the gospel, I would notice my dad next to me, mm-hmm. he would get a little bit emotional. He'd put mm-hmm. his hand on his chest, a tear would come in his eye, and his breath would be taken away mm-hmm. because of the beauty of God's love. Mm-hmm. And that was so meaningful to me to watch. Wow, this really does... What was your words a minute ago? Does Jesus make a difference mm-hmm. in your life? Yeah. And not only in, in the sermon, but in his life too. Mm-hmm. The way he lived, the way he lived out of what he would get there on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And that's it's probably honestly one of the reasons I'm a preacher now. Yeah. It's because I saw, wait, preaching makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Preaching the gospel makes a difference in, in my dad's life. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of my motivations in preaching now. I want that same aha holy spirit moment in all the people in all the pews yeah because it changes lives changes the world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. jesus does make a difference he really does Mm -hmm. and in your dad's life too your dad gave me a nugget when we were interviewing him (laughs) it was so timely for me when he was talking about being an interim pastor Mm -hmm. and how just healthy that is and how he had been at a church where it was all about him and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then and then I said something like, you know, yeah, maybe we should all be interim pastors at some point. And he looks at me and he goes, we are, if you think about it, you know, yeah. no matter how long you're church. That was just so good. I'm so glad your dad said that. That actually really illustrates what you've been saying this whole episode, mm-hmm. that we're not doing this by ourselves. Yeah. He's leading. God is leading our steps. We're dependent on him. It's all about him. Mm-hmm. And that just frees us up to be interims wherever we go. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. Should we end on that note? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, good stuff here, brother. Thanks, brother. All right, folks, we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Mistakes Dads Make. Please take a moment and rate this podcast wherever you found it and share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.